Hey everybody, welcome back to Podcast of the Galactic Heroes. We're doing episodes 25 and 26 of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Only two, Call because it season. is the last, it's the last two, but um, holy smokes, there's a... <laughs> there's some good scenes, I especially like episode 25. It's pretty fantastic. There is much to talk about it. exceptional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. did really like episode 25 a lot. Yeah, I also like the first half of episode twenty six for stylistic reasons, but um, yeah, the <laughs> end of this, yeah, the end of the series feelings, is very good. I have feelings about twenty six. We'll get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll, yeah, take us away, Kubo. Yeah, let's so, go twenty five. Yeah, episode twenty five. <laughs> we see a shot of establishing shot of outside the city. This is up in the hills, and there's very fancy mansions up here. Uh, Bato's on some terrace, just kind of like looking over with some binoculars at a different house. Uh, apparently this is one of the major safe houses and he's like well they haven't found this one yet so like i'll wait till nightfall and go inside and see what i can find um the episode name is barrage uh so we see the chief he's walking down a city street and a car pulls up and a guy from the ministry of justice like pulls over and like gets him in the back seat this is like a semi-highway it should be mentioned yeah this is super sus two or three lanes on each side yeah I just yeah. want to know if Aramaki was, like, pacing back and forth on this road until someone picked him up. The inconspicuous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so the guy on the inside of the car is from the Ministry of Justice. I don't know if he's actually the Ministry head or not. I know he shows up in Season 2 a bit, but um, mm-hmm. the guy's like, you've turned this incident into a real disaster. Uh, Chief says that Section 9 is now disbanded, but his men are at large, and he wants to try to guarantee their safety. And he doesn't care about Section 9's name, and in order to do this, to try to get their safety, he gives the Ministry of Justice guy all these Laughing Man documents. Um, and he's trying to get the investigation to his men called off so he, you know, he can you know, justify their safety. So they aren't murdered extra-legally. Yeah. Uh, the Justice guy says that uh, he has uh, no sway over the Prime Minister right now with, until the elections are done. And he knows that the prime minister will support Yokoshima until the elections are done and then probably kick him out afterwards. This is kind of reiterating what we said last episode when mm-hmm. the chief figured it out. Um, the chief, again, is concerned about his men. He says, you know, um, and then the, uh, sorry, the chief is concerned about his men. The uh, judiciary, no, the justice Lawyer. guy, yeah, says he's like, I, I can't let this pass. You know, you can rebuild, you can have different, you know, units. But the chief says he won't be able to get the people to do that good of a job again. Like, these men are really all he cares about. It, there is a lot of interesting thing here where he is clearly the only person who cares about, like, the people out of all these high-ranking ranking politicians. Everyone else mm-hmm. is just like, well, you're not going down in a blaze of glory scandal. You can rebuild the unit. So it's fine. Yeah, it kind of yeah, highlights... V- very bureaucratic stuff. Yes. Very much like... Well, they're just a resource. They're, that's what that's what the unit is for, to be used. And it's like, ugh, gross, guys. Yeah. It's also like high picture, like they're power jockeying over politics bullshit, and they don't really yep. care about the little guy while their chief is trying to go to bat for them. Yep. Yeah, but the chief gets out of the car. Um, the guy, the justice guy, warns him about Yakushima. He's like, he's got friends in high places. Um, the justice guy asks, like, what should I do with this case info you gave me? And chief's you like... You want it back? Yeah, and chief's like, just keep it. There's, there's like a really good moment where the guy is like, have you thought about asking politely? And the chief's like, I found that only really works if you have the upper hand. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Could, could you not do a death squad on my men? <laughs> please, pretty please. And yeah, the justice guy like apologizes for not being able to help more right now, but his hands are tied, you know. 
Uh, we cut to Itachi Koma. This is the blue one night that's supposedly Bato's favorite unit. It's at the old folks' home. Yep. It's uh, on the roof just putting up laundry on a line. Um, and it's kind of talking to itself, worried about the report it saw the other day on the news about Section 9. Uh, the old guy that said the battle is going badly shows up again. And that's his thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he shows up with a box that was kind of sitting in front of his bed from last episode. And says and... the battle is going badly. <laughs> The uh, Tachikoma starts talking to him about its previous life, you know, with Section 9 and everything. It's like, I like you guys at the old folks' home, but I really want to go help Bato. So the old man hands over the box it was holding, and oh, there's a tank shell on the inside, like one of the cannon ones. Neat. Tachikoma and, gets super excited about this, and it's yeah, just it like, takes, oh, I know what I must do. Yeah, it takes this as like divine providence that it must go blow up something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell yeah. Um, we cut to a shot of Saito. He's leaving the sewers with a big box, presumably his sniper rifle. Uh, as he's climbing out, he notices that there's a bunch of lasers on him. And oops, it's an ambush by the special ops force, so he surrenders. Uh, we cut over to Parlor Ishikawa, which I think we've seen in an establishing shot before. This is uh, yes, Ishikawa's... from, from the uh, episode with the U.S. cyber system. He hacked into their brains. Where... Yeah, where he was like, I'm going to borrow some resources for a second. And he was like using the cyber brains of all the old people gambling. Yeah. yeah. So he's just kind of sitting around looking like a regular because, I mean, he looks kind of dumpy <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he sits down and like, I guess he has admin privileges on these gambling machines because he logs in and then starts sending out all the media information that the, that the major gave him from before. So uh, while this is happening, the special ops forces storm the place. Uh, everybody starts getting shuffled out for a rest. He blends in with the crowd. He puts on a Yankees hat. He which puts is on a Yankees cap. <laughs> Ichikawa would be a fucking Yankees fan. Love the Yankees, baby. Let's go Yankees. <laughs> yeah, so the, the captain of the special ops forces guy, he's there. Um, one from before Cast last from episode. last episode, yeah. He's telling all of his uh, unit members to go in and seize evidence. Uh, Take his Ichikawa- servers. Yeah, Ishikawa's like a little timer and his head goes off and he realizes that like the data that he's been dispersing is all out now. So he just sets off bombs and the whole place starts blowing up. Um, he just blows the fucking place up because these, well, these spec ops dudes are raiding it. Yeah, so all of the um, regulars are outside. They're completely panicking. They're like trying to just get away. And he says to himself, payback's a bitch. But as he's walking away with the rest of the people trying to run from the bombs, uh, he gets caught by the captain. He does the stupidest shit of just being a cool guy walking away from an explosion until a, gra- a hand grabs his shoulder. Like, come on, dude, don't be a cool guy walking yeah, away from an explosion. Everyone else is running away or looking at the explosion. He's just walking slowly. But Couldn't make yourself more obvious. Yeah. So we cut to him inside of a van, supposedly, uh, getting the shit beat out of him. Uh, the spec ops, spec ops captain tells him, tells everybody it's time to leave. There's no way of salvaging anything in that building now. And Ishikawa is like, gee, that's too bad. So he gets curb stomped. Um, oh, have we noted the place was called the, yeah, parlor, Ishikawa parlor, which is like the worst way to disguise something. <laughs> Come really? on, man. <laughs> no wonder they found that building. <laughs> I wonder, I mean, like that has to be somewhat of a common name, right? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Not familiar enough. Could be any Ishikawa. <laughs> yeah, so the captain uh, gets a call saying that something has been caught in the net around the safe house, and obviously they're referring to Bato. So he sends over the two exoskeletons that he held onto from last episode. Uh-oh. We cut back to the blue Tachikoma. It's in the bombed-out Section 9 HQ. Uh, I don't know how it got up there. Like, I guess No one it's like, notices. 
Yeah, I guess I could climb up the side of the building, obviously, but no one would notice a spider tank just flying around. They have Octocamo. Like, yeah, they have Octocamo. I guess maybe, maybe not anymore. Seen, hmm. Maybe they've seen the tanks around and like no one thinks otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, one was sold to an old folks' home, so clearly people aren't that uncomfortable with it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, so it's sitting up in the bombed out top of the HQ and it sees that there's a bunch of natural oil tanks just like set up and it should be noted that this is completely unnatural. Like these things are in a circle on the floor while the rest of it's like completely scorched and destroyed. So obviously yes. someone put them there. Yes. So, um, the Tachikoma thanks Bato for that. And we see two other Tachikomas show up. One of them is like dressed yellow in like construction gear. It just kind of looks like it's at construction light, and the it's other- got like the like safety markings, like the yellow and black stripes, yeah. to make it super obvious that it's I you know, careful. Yeah, yeah, hard hat zone. <laughs> then the other one is in like drab gray, and its whole like back section where the um, where the tank would, goes. Yeah, yeah, it's like torn off. Um, I'm just gonna further the misconstruction in lab tachikomas. Yeah, uh, they had the same thoughts. Um, that, they were talking about how they had the same thoughts, even though they're independent, that they wanted to help Bato. And one of them makes a mark like, you can't load that sh shell by yourself, so it's good that we're here. <laughs> uh, the blue one asks the others about the what happened to them. The lab one says that it's the only one left from the lab and it escaped it because they kind of left it alone for a while. And the construction one says it just heard it on the news. So yeah, they just sold off two of these units to the highest bidder and dismantled the rest for science. Yeah, they Maybe. asked, uh, the blue Tachikoma asked the other one what happened at the lab, and the guy's like, yeah, the, remember the dude who liked reading books? Uh, its brain was completely torn apart by the scientist, and it loved it the entire time. I know, and it was super into <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So sad. All and my babies are gone. They, they kind of note, too, they're like, oh, they got to experience death. That's right. It's cool. <laughs> it's it's cool, right? Damn, I love dying and being dead. I'm like, oh, babies. <laughs> oh, I love them. Uh, so we cut back to the Major's safe house. Uh, Bato's sneaking around outside, and he's, like, looking at the windows, and he sees that there's, like, alarms on the windows. And he's uh, so like, he's being... same old Major. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while he's doing this, he's being spied on by the Special Ops Forces, so they know he's there, and they start deploying after him. Uh, Bato finds, uh, Bato breaks in and eventually finds the Major's bedroom, and next to her bed is a watch, the watch that she always wears, and he kind of, like, examines it for a second and puts it in his pocket. Um... The spec ops outside ha are kind of like lining up next to the window that looks into the bedroom. And like Bato like kind of flips a switch on the major's bedroom. And what happens is like the windows from the inside just look like a tropical vacation zone. But yeah. the instant he turns it off, it's just outside windows and they just see each other. And there's kind of like Mexican standoff moment where they're both really uh, surprised. Shit. Yeah, so the special ops guys start yelling and like, give up. And he puts the gun down and starts putting his hands up. But as the special ops guy like hits the glass to break it and break in, like it just blinds the entire team. Like it has like a flashbang attached to it. I think it like electrocutes them. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's a, it's it a looks weird like, like a shock barrier. Yeah. Trap. But yeah, they all just get fucking fried. Yeah, and while they're all dealing with that, he just pulls out an Uzi and mows them all down. Yeah. Um. He then goes outside to take a look at them, and oops, the exoskeleton, you know, from a couple episodes back, is there. And so they start having um, a firefight. It chases Bato into the building, like into the Major's bedroom again. And uh, he gets kind of blown back into a closet, and he finds, like, a stockpile of grenades and guns underneath the Major's underwear drawer. It's kind of weird. This is such a great shot, too, because he's, like, kind of crawling around in the closet, pulls out, <laughs> you know, like, just grabs a random drawer and pulls it open from under it, finds the grenades, and is like, I knew you'd have that shit. And then you get an overhead shot that it's her underwear drawer. Like, he, he never sees it. It's really well shot. It's funny, yeah. 
So uh, he starts chucking nades at the Exo, which distracts it long enough for him to get kind of like chased into a hallway farther in the building. Uh, we see a shot of the exoskeleton shooting a rocket down the hallway to Bato and like it just blows up, it blows him up and like debris falls down on him. When the smoke clears, the Exo goes into the hallway and then sees that Bato is caught underneath the rubble and then when it tries to move him, like his head just falls off. He's decapitated. And he's like, shit, use too much force. Yeah, so the pilot kind of gets out of the exosuit and he's like really shocked that Bato's dead. And then the decapitated head just turns and grins at him and says, oh, I look dead to you, don't I? Well, don't believe it. And the guy's kind of shocked and it shows a reaction shot of Bato just standing behind him. And he says, I'm sorry, but I had to act your eyes, pal. And then he just shoots the guy twice in the head. Nothing personal, kid. Yeah. It's <laughs> so yeah, Bato learned. He also learned, and it's also like an interesting scene, I think, because the way the line, the line read that Bato says of sorry, like he doesn't want to kill this guy. Like he's just really super disappointed in him. Yeah. So uh, he shoots the guy, he grenades the exo, so that's taken care of. And then he starts to leave out to the major's parking lot. She has like a bunch of, I don't know, they're like Priuses? They're really weird compact cars out there. Yeah. Um, but the other Exo is there, and so it starts shooting at him, and he gets blown down a set of stairs, and he's really hurt. Uh, this Exo pilot is very angry that Batho just uh, fucking murked his friend. Super. Like, he is like, I was supposed to bring you in, but I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. So he starts stepping on Bato with the exoskeleton suit, and then kicks him to a pair of stairs. Uh, he's about to shoot Bato with his giant fuck-off gun when... The Tachikomas just come out of nowhere, and one of them rams the dude down into the woods, like, because they're on a balcony overlooking, like, a wooded area. Uh, the blue Tachikoma goes over the bot to make sure he's okay, and then the exopilot is super surprised at this, like, he has heard about these thing tanks from the previous episode, and, like, he's panicking at this point. Yeah, because they couldn't find them, and they were like, well, I guess they're nowhere, so suddenly there's yeah. some shit. So he um, uh, ends up shooting the lab one. Um, hey, and it dies. Uh, our fire alarm is like in our the building. hall. Sorry about that, folks. We had a small interruption. Some fire alarms going off, but uh, <laughs> we're going to get back here. to it. How, everyone's alive, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the Tachikomo just got shredded to bits by huge bullets, which is not a thing we've really seen before. Them just getting... Completely chumped. Well, we basically which is saw what it with the here. giant artillery tank at the start of the series yeah. as a good point of comparison for the level of weapon we're dealing with here. That was yeah, so these, sad. These Tachikomas aren't exactly heavily armored. They're more agile and lightweight than a lot of the other stuff we've seen in the show. So, yeah, they die pretty quickly to stuff about its same caliber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, it gets shot up. Uh, the blue tank apologizes for taking so long. At the tap in the comms is like, Mr. Bato, we're going to go fight now. And so it and the construction one jump down into the woods. Uh, again, the exopilot's freaking out. He didn't expect these tanks to be here, and he this doesn't is, know what they're capable of. Yeah, like a really interesting setup, because, of course, we've known the Tachikoma these whole time, this whole time, but they are, like, shot like it's the Predator movie. Yeah. From this guy's point of view. <laughs> like, And it's, it's such an interesting contrast, because, of course... These are literally thinking AI tank weapons. God knows what they could do. Yeah. But, but they're, even, babies. they're also babies. Yeah, this guy like completely outmatches them in terms of firepower, but since he doesn't yes. know anything about him, he's like freaking out. Yes. He's terrified. Yeah, so the construction um, the construction Tachikoma jumps on the exoskeleton knocking it onto the ground, but it eventually gets kicked off and it's also shot up. Um, the blue one was lining up a shot while that happened because it's the one with the tank shell, uh, but it has to dodge. Mm-hmm. The construction one uh, uses its wires to immobilize the exosuit, and the blue one lines up the shot, and there's some climatic music right here, and then we find out the shell is a dud. 
it doesn't go off. Yeah, the thing the homeless guy gave her that he had in a box for years. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I, I should have mentioned there's some really like dramatic opera music going on, right? Oh, yeah. During this. And so, yeah, it like crescendos right when you find out it's a dud. And then like the Tachikomas are very sad. Um, yeah, like it just gives a very pathetic like and just doesn't do anything. It's like, ooh, Uh-oh. no. The propellant is not, it's not propellant anymore. Ah, no. oh, beans. Yeah, so Bato wakes up up on the terrace and he's very confused at why he's alive. Um, the exosuit then turns around and shoots the blue Tachikoma. And the blue Tachikoma is sitting there kind of dying, thinking to itself how weak and powerless it is. When a voice out of nowhere, that happens to be the major, uh, says <laughs> that that anyone. isn't true. Uh, they've gained something that makes them extremely powerful far, and uh, far from powerless. And while this has happened, they like kind of show a statue of like a marble statue of like an Ave Maria type uh, woman, I the guess. The major went into the home editor in Sims and just bought the most <laughs> extensive thing in the statuary category for her yard <laughs> is what it was. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the construction Tachikoma, which is all shot up and it's on its back, kind of flips over for a second and then shoots its wires past the exosuit um, and then reels itself in, ramming into the exosuit. And this pushes it towards the blue Tachikoma. The blue Tachikoma looks up for a second, sees Bato on the balcony completely distraught, cries because it has, you know, the little oil inside of its The oil area. tears, yeah. Yeah, says goodbye, then turns and rams itself nose first into the exosuit, which blows up the three of them. And I Bato's, cried. Yeah, Bato's on the balcony yeah, just the, watching. The shell was primed and it was still a shell. Yes. The propellant went off. Yes. The explosive was still very much intact. Yeah. Yeah, so Bato's just up on the balcony just watching these Tachikomas blow themselves up for him. So that must feel great. Yeah. I, this, I'm so sad. I love these babies so much. Mm-hmm. And they all just died for him. And, uh, yes. Bato has a lot of bad moments for him yeah this episode he's having a bad day many bad days it should be noted that Bato is like completely fucked up he lost an arm um like there's a patch of skin missing from his forehead like he's having trouble walking and looking yeah he's super fucked up he is worse for wear he is like one step away from having his uh cyber brain cracked open and like falling out yeah it's it's rough um, we cut over to the special ops chopper. Um, the pilot is informing the chief guy that uh, they lost contact with Unit 2, and he's kind of concerned about the fact that both exoskeletons are now gone. Uh, but the captain's like, you're not thought, you're not paid to think. Just get us over there quickly, which is kind of funny. They're not paid to think. <laughs> yep. Uh, Bato you're a death run- squad. Bato staggers down into the woods um, and kind of looks at the flaming wreckage of the three of them and wonders why the Tachikomas were there. Uh out of the woods walks a younger major. This is the body that she was wearing in that one episode. With During the, Baby's Day Out. Yeah, Baby's Day Out episode. <laughs> um, young major is saying that, like, uh, they can only think about saving him. That was the reason they came here. You know, they had made, like, a pact with themselves to help Abato when he needed it. Yep. Uh, she, like, starts being kind of wistful over the fact that, like, she made the call that they were useless as weapons, but she didn't know that they were gaining individuality and self-sacrifice. Capable of self-sacrifice, and that if she had realized it, she, like, maybe wouldn't have made the call that she did. Yeah, and it was also, like, it seems less that, like, she felt bad about sending them away and more that she wanted to see if they actually had developed ghosts. Yes, and that is sort of the bigger part of it. There, There is this scientific thing here as well. Yeah, and so she's looking at one of the computer chips. I guess it's supposed to be like the neural processor, the learning yeah. computer. But uh, they hear the choppers coming, so they book it. 
Uh, we then cut to Bato looking out a window from a skyscraper's point of view. Uh, he's looking out at Section 9 HQ, which is blown up, and like I guess the Major had another safe house and another skyscraper right nearby. And there are several police choppers literally like flying circles around this thing, so this is the ultimate power move. Yeah, that she, she has a safe house just looking at police HQ. Yeah. Anyway, um, he's talking to her about the irony of the location, talking to her younger shell sitting on a chair, but she comes out with her normal body... Um, out of a side room and just kind of pushes over the young one saying like no other body will do but this one and of course it was a remote puppet and a like i don't know what they want to call it like a cyber bed closes behind or one of the things like you would just kind of chill in if you were had a cyber body and were fucking already it's an alien's pod basically yeah so um they start looking out the window and uh bato has to push her from the window out of the way because the chopper one of the police choppers comes and kind of like looks in which is very rude at this late at night but i know right mm. time cops no respect for privacy yeah but they have a moment together because they are close and there's sexy trumpet music playing right here and <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so it's at this point which bato gives her the watch and says like no matter how many bodies you've had this is the one thing that kept ticking all the same outside and it's like, people trust their memories to external devices to set down proof of their unique individuality, but that watch is all you have. It's the only external device that identifies who you've been up to this minute. And we sort of start to get into this idea of, like, if you can download your set on the, yourself onto the net, what is you, really? Yeah, what makes you different from a copy, a perfect copy? Yeah. Yeah, if and you so, can control C, your entire set of memories. Yeah, so she, of course, tries to break down this kind of serious uh, mood by saying to like, you're, you know, you're getting pretty serious, Bacho, it's not like you. And she makes a joke saying like a watch and weight training gear. These are the things that we cling to, these useless things. Well, and she also, she's just like, wow, awfully serious words. Uh, where'd you find them? <laughs> like, <laughs> Good shit, meathead. <laughs> yeah, who'd you, who'd you rip that off from, dum-dum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, she puts on the watch on her hand and takes a look at it. And she starts saying that, like, you know, they're probably the only two people from Section 9 that haven't been caught or killed yet. And Bato says, like, I want to leave proof of what we tried to accomplish here. So we get a pullback shot. Uh, apparently, it wasn't any just house at the top of the skyscraper. This is like a fucking temple penthouse mansion on the top yep. of a skyscraper. She hmm. owns more of, like, the Tokyo Metro than we work at this point. <laughs> more real estate in Tokyo. Yeah, so we cut to a sunrise. Um, they're at an airport. It looks very similar to the airport with that uh, assassin coin yep. killer from before. It's obviously on the top of a skyscraper. The uh, Best place to put them. Can't hit any buildings from up there. That's true. We see the uh, Spec Ops chopper. It's in the distance, and it has the sun right behind them, like between two buildings. It's very dramatically lit. Yep. Um, the Spec Ops captain is telling the snipers on board, like they have orders to kill the Major. Uh, she and Bato are like dressed up kind of in trench coats and they're going towards the tilt rotor cla- uh, hair- aircraft on the roof. Uh, Bato like looks down at the sunrise, but of course he can't see anything because he's looking directly into the sun. That idiot. <laughs> looking at the sun with his cyber eyes. It's fine. I wonder if they have like ND filters on them. I hope so. Uh, so the major is walking up the loading stairs and as she's walking up, uh, we see from Bato's point of view that she has laser pointers on her. Uh, he calls out her name, uh, Matoko, and she kind of looks back and starts lipping something, but we don't hear what she says. And then we see the shots fire from the sniper, and her brain just splatters all over the side of the aircraft, and she falls down the loading stairs. She is, like, ripped 
by the head off of these stairs and flipped over a guardrail to yes. be clear like it is this is anti-material by like, hitting a person yes yeah this is this is 20 pounds of bullet ripping through someone yeah yes. it's it's a lot it's very intense yeah yeah they want to make sure you know like no she will not stand up <laughs> after this one they also no cut all the audio out here when she starts lipping back whatever she says to bato and then it's the sh- splat sound her falling off the stairs and then the boom of the gun going off which i think was an intro- mm. nice touch there yeah yeah so a bunch of special ops forces uh swarm bato and just tackle him basically uh he starts calling out for her uh, matoko over and over one of the guys goes down over to her body and says there's no visuals and her head's completely missing <laughs> and there's blood that everywhere would do it yeah um as the shot pulls out we see a shot of her hand but it doesn't have the watch on it and then bato's just screaming at her and that's so that the episode. Have, yeah, that must have been fun to watch uh, when it was airing. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, I I was always like, they're never going to kill her. <laughs> I was just well, like, yeah. they're not going to kill it, her. It's a shocking moment, although at some point your thinking brain kicks in and you're like, nah. Nah. Well, well especially now with the context of there being a second series, yeah. a season two. Yes, yeah. yeah, they didn't know there was a season two at the time because that came out a year or two later. Yeah, that that is also fair. And also considering the manga and the books, or the manga and the movie before it, at least in the movie anyway, there's some credence to the major dying. So, mm-hmm. maybe. But but like, it is definitely like it is a very shocking scene as it happens because you can kind of tell that yeah. it's gonna happen and there's a bit of like well what is she gonna do to get out of this one and then it just they fucking blow off her head with a sniper rifle yeah yeah but she's been shown several times in the show yes. to like body jump already the way she like controls that teenage the remote doll mm-hmm. so I was always just like very aware that like her coming back was a you know. 95% possibility. And yeah, in my if head. you're very observant, you, this was set up several episodes ago. Yeah. So. But anyway, episode 26. Episode 26, final one, standalone complex of this season. So we start with a shot of the net, and we get Owie and Major in voiceover talking about uploading consciousness to the net and yet still remaining an individual. And it's kind of very high level conversation. As they zoom in on the giant circular library that we saw very briefly in the chat episode. It looks um, like a maze. And yes, it is It is very mazy mm-hmm. in its construction. So Aoi talks about how this must be a world of despair if we're forever reinventing and losing ourselves. If that's, you know, a form of uh, erasure and loss of individuality. Um, but he thanks her and says the way that she kept her promise was charming, which, hmm, wonder what that could mean. But we jump to the title card and we open on Togusa, who is at home and looking harrowed. Uh, the entire next set of scenes are basically narrated by him and the animation is like super hazy and dreamlike for his state. I really like this. It looks a lot like Paranoia Agent or maybe like Serial Experiment Lane in the terms of like it's, I don't know, it's thoughtful, but like all the shots are like staticky and they're all like through haze or through heat and like disfocused. Yeah, it's like him standing in crowds as they all move around him, but he's like 
these people don't fucking know what the, I'm doing. straight up a shot later yeah, of like it, a zoom in on his face and then a rapid full pullback out to him and just in the middle of a crowd. And that just reminds me of the opening of Paranoia Agent. So the, the Togus mm. section is, I think, the strongest part of this episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like it, they really nail the unease and like the kind of he knows this thing that everyone has accepted as just the truth in media is entirely bullshit. Yep. And like. Yeah, and now is he will he he goes through it he goes through it yep. as, as the audience <laughs> yeah. stand in he gets all this with us. I also as yeah. a quick aside like the voice actor's uh, portrayal here of Togusa because it's very uh, teenage angsty and very dissatisfied. Which yes, there is a of, catcher in the rye bit here that is extremely yeah, it's going extremely on. leaning into the catcher in the rye, which I like. Yep. Um, so Togusa explains that three months have passed and he was mysteriously released from custody from custody 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 after two weeks <laughs> but he basically was told absolutely nothing about any of the other section nine record people since then he was put on indefinite home leave from his shell job that he was in uh, with the company, so like fired by another name. Um, but he kind of can't move on from the shit that he's seen. Uh, the public records are highly classified and of course he has no government clearance anymore, so even with all of his investigations, all he's really seen is that everyone else in Section 9 was listed as jailed, except for the Major, who is listed as dead. Um, he kind of goes over that, like, they were all, the media spun this as a plot to, you know, take over, a coup attempt to take over the government from Section 9, and the SDF were heroes for stepping in and blowing up the top of that building in the middle of central Tokyo and all that. So, uh, it's, it's pretty messed up. Um, we get a shot of him basically just standing in his apartment with a wife beater being like, you know, I should probably go look for a new job. And he sits down on the couch with like a bunch of classified ads and a newspaper. But just then a news report shows that the public prosecutor's office is looking to make moves on Yakushima. As an aside, what do you go into like job wise after section nine? Cause that's a big black <laughs> hole on your resume. Oh yeah. That's not something you get to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, I've, had, I've been working for the last 12 years. Uh, as you can see on my resume, um, it's completely blank. <laughs> you, you just, just lie. You just obliquely... Just, just say no, you don't even Google. lie. You Hope just like, check. what have you done for the past years? I worked for the government. <laughs> that did some management. You just say... Yeah. He had a shell job as well. Just say he worked for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Freelance investigation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Rick, something that's not quite a lie. It's fine. Um, so the, the public prosecutor's office is, Yakushima is in fact getting taken down because it turns out that the Serrano CEO is going to testify against him. Um, the DA basically says, we have on it, we have good information that he did do all this and we are going to arrest the shit out of him and we are so cool. Um, this makes Togusa really, really angry that they're taking credit for Section 9's work and you get this really like, Again, catcher in the rye back and forth of him, like, he's getting arrested. Our work wasn't in vain. It doesn't really matter if the public prosecutor's office did it. it it's fine. It's fine. 
But also, that means he's still in the system, and he might not even step down from this. For, you know, like it, maybe it just goes down as a big corruption charge. This is the, bullshit. This is I know all the bullshit. Word phony is said at least twice. Yes, it, it. As this goes on, he gets, let's say, laughing mannier and laughing mannier. More jaded. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like he's not really wrong. Like, yeah, a probe is something that Yakushima could potentially fight against when this dude literally sent a hit squad against him and all his friends. Um, so it, he works himself into enough of a tizzy that he puts on a blue hoodie and goes out to assassinate Yakushima, as one does when you're between jobs. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to get out of the house when you're still unemployed, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a resume builder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goon Project Contributed the opening source <laughs> We get a shot of him on a skyscraper Talking about how he never wanted to be a hero But it's it's on him now And he's kind of like Laughing man, this this must be what you felt But but no, you must be above this all Because you see the bigger picture That's why you haven't actually Swooped in and saved us all, isn't it? And he throws his copy of Catcher in the Rye off the building really angrily. Um, what an angsty teenager. <laughs> right? <laughs> we then basically jump cut to a shot of him across the street from Yakushima's office. Uh, and the music starts swelling as he takes steps across the street, like with his revolver in his pocket, just walking up to go do an assassination. Um, just as everything comes to a head, he gets stopped, but the voice behind him basically is very obviously Bato's. The shot Uh, here is really cool because, like, it shows, like, a close-up of his face. He's really angry walking across the street, and, like, it shows his pocket pulling the gun out. And then, like, you see a gun come into the back of his back, like his blue jacket, but it's the same gun. Yeah, it it match cuts it kind of perfectly. Yeah. you get extremely uh, Kuleshov affected there. Um, but no, it's fine. It's Bato. Bato basically is like, oh, come on, dude. You're such a fuck up. You'd never get past his Secret Service agents. <laughs> um, and, uh, Togusa is very confused that Bato is there. Yeah, he turns around and is like, wait, big guy? What the fuck? And Bato is basically just full on ribbing him to this point. He gets him into a car and takes him into an office building where the entire gang, except one person, is waiting for him. And this is the point of the episode uh, that made me not like him. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they bully him pretty badly here. No, 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 no. no. Just the, the scene coming up is, I don't care about bullying Togusi. <laughs> He's a cop, it's What fine. a nerd, fuck him. But... <laughs> But no, I do not like the upcoming scene, and I feel like it ruins not just this episode, but basically the previous four episodes. We will get to talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. It's just, be aware, like, I really did not like this upcoming scene at all. Mm -hmm. So, uh, basically, Yakushima, they explained to him that, like, Yakushima has pretty much given up and is cooperating with him because those military guys are all pragmatic types. Um, they all explain how it turns out Aramaki decided that if S, like, you know, when the prime minister turned on him, he realized that the only, his only real out was to make section nine, take the heat for the whole thing and pretend to dissolve it once the public found out. And there was a whole outcry about the whole thing. 
and it turns out now that it quote-unquote doesn't exist anymore, they're pretty much free to go back as they were, to, to go back to the way that things were before, where they're a secret governmental organization, and like, everything was actually part of, of Aramaki's secret plan. Like, he got Togusa arrested away from everyone else, because... He was just out of the hospital, and he's not really a cyborg, so he might have actually been killed by the death by the SDF death squad that got sent after Plus them he had and a all family, that. Which would have been hard to explain to, as opposed to everyone yes. else being single. Yeah, the main thing is like Aramaki gave up Section Nine in order to get a public publicity win for the prime minister. Hopefully, getting them the elections to get the prime minister on his side to kick out Yakashima afterwards. Yeah, and he was the super genius, and he figured that, hey, if I do this, they'll all manage to survive and regroup, and we'll reform the team after that. And it turns out it all worked pretty much perfectly. Um, and Togus is obviously pretty disturbed about this, because he's gone three months without knowing if, like, that any of his friends are alive and well, but everyone's like, yeah, we didn't know shit either. We were all just fucking sitting in jail and my official record is that I am literally in jail for the rest of my life. So, hey, you got it easy, big guy. Um, Togusa asks about the major and everyone kind of looks a bit put off as Bato's like, I don't give a rat's ass about that bitch. But it was just a joke and Nishikawa makes fun of him for crying when the major was had her head blown up right in front of him and they all yeah, just... He- he wants to pull up like the CCTV or whatever of him crying out to her and he like gives him real shit which is funny because Bato can dish out the ribbing but he can't take it Bato is just like (laughs) oh Togusa are you crying you you little boy you little little bitch come on you you tearing up and then Ishikawa's like dude dude come on (laughs) but yeah it it turns out everything's fine and section 9 is pretty much back in business um, so in Yakushima's office, Aramaki's watching as a bunch of mooks take cardboard boxes out for informa- for data. Uh, the DA basically tries to scout him and is like, you know, you, we wouldn't be able to do this without all your info. Would you, maybe you should join us. You've always seemed to have more of like a, a legal mind than all of these. That, I think he's like playing tanks and guns yeah, or something like that. Yeah, you can't keep playing tanks like that. Yeah, like you're getting on in years. If you really want to move up the ladder, becoming a prosecutor could be pretty good for you. But Aramaki is basically like he wants to rebuild Section 9. He he wants to rebuild his team, and he's actually on the way to scout out a prospective new member now. Uh, We get a bunch of suits. Like We see a procession leading Yakushima outside the building, and a bunch of suits salute him, and this is kind of his crowning moment that he he beat the guy because... Turns out the Prime Minister actually did keep his promise. Surprising. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there won't be any repercussions. No. <laughs> so we then cut over to the Major walking into a, a huge, ornate, circular building with, like, statues and big steps and stuff. Uh, she walks up to the front desk here and picks up a red cap that says Owie on the label and kind of, like, puts it on top of herself. She kind of, like, also smirks to herself and goes, Now I get it. You really aren't the laughing man. That's for sure. I've been so. trying to say this for the last 20 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't call myself that. So she walks into a huge library that looks exactly like the one that we saw earlier. Uh, and we, we get a lot of really cool shots of these, like, sorter robots basically flying through the stacks and, like, 
sorting through all of the things and they got cool mechanical arms and stuff. There's a moment where she removes her hand from the banister and it says, fuck you. And I think that's a character. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. He carves fuck you in all sorts of public places. (laughs) Um... So she eventually finds Owie sitting on one of those ladders that you use to get higher up books. And he like looks over and is like, I'm surprised it took you this long to find me. And Major's like, well, you didn't even invite me. And he's like, eh, I I literally live here. I knew someone was going to come and find me eventually. Um, So it turns out this is, you know, the real world. This is what the library was patterned against. And this is the actual Owie right here. So we, they start having a long conversation filled with literary and film quotes that, like, Owie throws out and the major picks up and is basically just like, ah, that's a reference to this, isn't it? I didn't yeah. write down all of it, but it's they're... It's not important. They just want the Wikipedia bunch of bullshit. It's Yeah, like, the things, rel- like, vaguely related they to what have they have going on. They, they basically have a quote off on, <laughs> back on the forums again. Um, so... Owie points out that she didn't actually swap her prosthetic body to the new one. And she kind of like pulls down her sleeve with the wristwatch to reveal that the arm is, it's like a separate prosthetic arm attached to it because this is actually the original body that got its arm blown off. Yeah. When she was fighting the uh, DEA robot. Yeah. She didn't actually switch bodies in the, uh, in the body swap episode, basically. Yeah, and the one that got blown up on the staircase last episode was the one she was supposed to go in. Yeah. Yeah, and this was actually kind of hinted back in that episode. Um, like, it showed the uh, computer readout monitor of her controlling that new body, but she never actually swapped to it. Right. And then, like, in the immediate scene after, when she went and saw the chief, the chief asked her about her new body, and she was kind of dismissive and didn't really say anything. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, they've been, they've been dropping hints, and that's how she she got away from it. So, at this point, Owie thanks her for finishing the job and says that he knew she could do it. And she's kind of like, you know, takes that with some chagrin because he was like, you told me not to interfere. You were going to pull some shit, weren't you? And at this point, Owie's basically like, I, yeah, I'm sorry, but when I synchronize data with you... I, you know, my job was basically done at this point. I had planted the seeds and I did, you know, you went out and got it done. So technically it did work. And he also explains that he's lost his uniqueness and kind of became more of like a social force than, an, than a single individual. Um, he <laughs> talks about how he's inspired all of these copycats from the Nanao incident, how he inspired her and everything out there. And how it, like, you know, he himself, whether he was the laughing man or not, has kind of been lost in the sea of all the events that happened yeah, here. Yeah, by, by doing the first crime and getting everybody to do the copycats, like, his ability to do things in his own name is gone. And so yeah. he's no longer unique. Yeah. Um, and he's basically, like, you know, the my original, inten- my original intentions didn't really matter. The They became more of a force... For either the random acts that people did when they were trying to assassinate people during the uh, Nanao thing, or in the Major's specific case, actively twisting it to her own ends that just happened to agree with what he wanted to do. 
Um, they also talk about how Owie wasn't actually the original quote unquote laughing man. He just ha he just happened to find a random blackmail email from Serrano that contained a study of a comparison of their micro machines to the Mirai vaccine. And like it freaked him out because his brain even back then was highly cyberized. He kind of pulls off his, uh, hair at this point and the entire back of his head is plugs. So like he's even more cyberized than most people were. Um, and we, I guess at this point we kind of learned that the original blackmail emails that were sent weren't, him at all he just happened to find them and decided like this is my way it. of doing some justice in the world yeah he, yeah, he has like a very he, um, he mentions just like i love peeping it's what i do you know how it is i peep <laughs> we yeah, he had those very like juvenile like uh holden-esque style of justice and he wanted to like you know show it to the man in some way yeah and so that's and so how he, he kidnapped it. the ceo of serrano genomics <laughs> as his way of doing that but you know, soon after after that whole incident happened and suddenly he was started like the the micro machine companies literally started using his, the name that was made from his incident to blackmail each other and fuck him up. He realized that like this kind of shit doesn't work, that he has no control over what ended up happening afterwards. Yeah, the so, media spinned it so bad, so he became a deaf mute and just went away. He basically disappeared from himself after realizing how useless the whole thing was, but everything just kept happening, including seven years later. Um, they basically talk about how that means that the Laughing Man was purely a social phenomenon, a standalone complex that didn't really have an original, but that, you know... It was still felt all the way down to the major impersonating this man that never existed. Um, and, you know, the giant mimetic phenomenon that it actually was. Um, he kind of says that, like, you know, if my intentions could get this corrupted and, like, you know, now that I've sent myself out there and it got completely fucked up, I feel like we're entering a new age of darkness where a person can't really... You know, what What even is a person and what they want? Um, but Major kind of replies that she's found one way to maintain her originality after, your inf after the information has been synchronized. And kind of pulls over the, pulls the Tachikoma chip out of her pocket to kind of look over it. And says, everyday human curiosity. Which actually kind of sways Owie. Yeah, she's saying that enough. Oh can, fuck, I never thought of that. Yeah, you can even if someone knows everything about you and like you have an exact copy someplace, you can still be unique by just being curious because the instant you are curious, you change your, you know, what used to be a copy into something new. Yeah. You're you have yep. now learned something new. The you that you're experiencing right now is still can differentiate yourself from that copy, basically. So at this point. Aramaki walks in and is like, I've been listening to your whole conversation, but because I didn't also have Wikipedia up, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> it's um, very funny. <laughs> yeah. So he basically looks over this library and is super dismissive of the whole thing because it's... Owie has basically been here preserving all of these works of printed fiction this whole time. And Aramaki's like... You know, the these things are only published because of old legal mandates. They're, they're basically useful. Would you prefer to do something actually useful with your time and join Section 9 with us? Which is kind of funny, because the only reason that they actually got 
through this investigation in the first place is because he was able to get a physical record yeah. of the vaccine. I and, always thought this comment was yeah. weird, especially from someone smarter like the chief, that like he doesn't put any credence in a physical copy of something when digital can be so manipulated. Yeah, it's really, it, it's a bit of a weird comment, but uh, Owie's like, well, that's kind of weird, but nah, I'm not really a team player. I believe the way that the duh, that the sub says it is I'm not, I don't like baseball. Yeah, I'm not very good at baseball. Yeah, I'm yeah. not very good at baseball, and I feel like that is probably a really amazing Japanese idiom that I wasn't aware of. Because <laughs> that seems really, really good. Um, so... As the and and basically Aramaki's like yeah fair enough, uh, and they start walking out as the opening theme uh, area Gloria starts playing. He's basically like well, or Major's like well, I guess what do you want to do now, Chief? And Aramaki's like Section Nine is just gonna keep acting the way that it is as long as you and I think that it's uh, as long as you and should. I want to do it basically. And if we don't, then uh, maybe we'll coup the government for real this time. Yeah, it'll be easy. Um, we cut to an underground parking lot where a dude is just kind of shuffling around looking suspicious. Um, Serrano, the Serrano CEO, Serrano, walks in with a security detail talking about how awesome it is to finally testify about all that. And he's keeping his promise to the laughing man after all these years. Um, the suspicious guy walks away as they walk up to the car and as Serrano grabs the door uh, to open it up, there is an ominous click and he just like kind of looks terrified. We cut to the guy walking away while nothing really seems to happen, saying you have to adapt in order to survive. And he has like kind of an evil smile on his face. I'm not sure if he's a voice we've heard before. I mean, it's Kirk Thornton doing a Kirk Thornton yeah. voice. No, it's just a random Wait. dude. But yeah, I we, we don't really get much about him. It's a sequel hook. Yeah. You know, we'll find that out in second gig, I'm sure. Indeed. Mm. Um, and now we cut to the team who are basically doing the same shit that they were doing in episode one and everything is back to normal it's and just section cool nine's back montage. in business. We get a, we get a sweet montage. Yay! And that's season one. Uh, so one thing, like, I don't know if you two picked up, I don't know about Ty, but um, the whole conversation that the Major had with Aoi in that, uh, in the library, he may have not been there. Some of the mm. shots are kind of trying to suggest that, like, he was never there in the first place. Especially, mm. the, the most obvious one is when the Major and the Chief are walking out, he disappears from the ladder he was sitting on. Right. But there's He's also several shots of afterwards. like, yeah, there's also several shots of like, for example, he was sitting at the top of the ladder during one, uh, during most of the scene where he talked to the major. But when she walks into that room, he's not there. Mm -hmm. And there's also a match cut of like his uh, back to back with the major when she starts leaving that like he's just not there in the second cut. Mm. I could believe it. He's pretty good at that sort of thing. Yeah, he loves hacking eyes. It's his like favorite thing. <laughs> loves, loves peeping. Hacking. Loves peeping through other peepers. Loves changing what peepers see. That's true. And I mean, we also already, you know, we had that conversation at the start of the episode about how, you know, if you upload yourself to the net, are you really a person anymore? And I mean, hmm. how far do we take that? I wonder. Yeah, that's another thing. During the conversation the Major had with Aoi, she talks about how she actually escaped the assassination attempt. Like um, she said that like, she she was remoting that one new body that she was supposed to have. 
But she said like during the split second when she had to basically stop the RDP because the bullet was going through her brain, like she was floating through the sea of information. And I think that's supposed to be what the beginning of this episode was trying to portray. Yeah. That she was basically purely data as the TCP handshake was established. (laughs) Or terminated, I guess, in that regard. (laughs) Fair, yes. (laughs) There is no longer a keep alive in there. Uh, so I should have written up some questions for you, but I guess since we're not technically done with the series, we just can kind of be a bit informal. But like, what did you think of season one? Like the characters and the setup and everything. I liked it up until that scene in the middle of this episode. I, I don't know. I came away from this episode in particular with an overwhelming feeling of disappointment. Entirely because we've just had a bunch of episodes... Setting up this big conflict, setting up Section 9, getting destroyed, they're all captured, the Major gets her head blown off, and then it's just... Oh, it Chief resets Ryan, everything. Chief, it, yeah, it was Chief Aramaki, he's brilliant, he had an idea, you know, he had the plan all along, there was actually no stakes, uh, we're all fine, everything's back to status quo... Yeah. It, it felt like a very, like, deus ex machina, like, yeah. wave away that just wasn't super earned. Like, there wasn't enough of a buildup of, like, Aramaki scrambling this stuff. or setting yeah, it. I, there was that note where he was like, you know, I need the upper hand to ask politely. And I thought there would be some stuff with Aramaki gaining the upper hand, mm-hmm. but it just happens off screen. Yeah, like it, it turns out the answer was actually just sit and wait for three months so that the election season happens and then he can actually move and it's kind of like... I, I mm. feel like it just completely undercut episode 25 in particular with like the baby self-sacrifice them all fighting back if Bajo had just surrendered the babies wouldn't be dead but it, I don't know. It Having just, the chief... Having the chief just, like, outwardly say, like, eh, I knew you'd be fine. It's fine. I knew you'd be fine. Like, it really undercuts the gravity of the situation. Like, it doesn't feel like a close one anymore. Yeah. It feels like it's just like, yeah, no, I knew. It's whatever. Those things were bullshit. It's like, Bato almost got turbo murdered until some Tachikomas showed up out of nowhere and blew themselves up. And sacrificed their lives for him. Bato murdered some people. Yeah. We're just, like, glossing over the fact that... Bato and the rest of them, like, with the thing. Like, they were just fighting back there, and all those people died. But it it turns out if they'd just been arrested, it would be fine. Yeah, like, blew up a pachinko parlor and shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I did really like the Togusa stuff. I felt like that was really well done and really interesting. And I feel like the conversation with Ali and uh, the Major was... Kind of puts a bow on the ideas. It it was a bit overwrought and it wasn't neat, but it was still at least within the show's kind of, like, oeuvre. It's, like, complexity, but the scene in the middle was just, like... Yeah. Bam, happy ending for everyone. Nobody died. Well, Nobody in Section 9 died. <laughs> I, I guess I'll say it's in the fine. Chief's defense that like he did go and have that sh- scene with the Department of Justice guy where he was trying to plead for them to stop, but the Justice guy's like, listen, we really just can't do anything right now. But, yeah. but that, yeah. again, kind of undercuts the fact that he then just saved everyone anyway. Yeah. Like, we never got to see the, like... The fallout him, of them getting captured. <laughs> yes. Yeah, him actually working... And, and now they're just, you know, they're just Section 9, but under a different name, status quo resumed. We've, we're, if they had all met up again in, like, a dive bar or, like, 
Yeah, like they're just met up in a basement somewhere. And they're like, okay. Yes. (laughs) We're like, okay, we're going to reform Section 9. I wouldn't be quite so, like, disappointed. But they go back into a room and there's a hacking machine Ishikawa's sitting at. They, like, they have the team members below them, like the red suits. Yes, they have all their resources again. It just felt like the whole destruction of their building in Section 9 was... Gets a little bit cheapened by it. The investment, yeah, I felt, when I, I saw that. it all happen was just, yeah, it, it, it absolutely cheapened. It was very anticlimactic. I just felt an overwhelming feeling of disappointment that overrode yeah, like, I, everything I, else. I was... I was definitely getting worried when we started getting into like the back half of the final episode and I was like, oh no, <laughs> like they don't have enough time to stick this landing. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think they did. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it is like, you know, they, they closed the parts that I think they were the most interested in. The whole idea of the laughing man is a social phenomenon and they do a lot of interesting stuff with that. And even just like the idea of Togusa being totally cut off. And essentially, like, he was about to create another Laughing Man incident himself, you know? Like, that whole segment is basically him Falling into psyching himself up to do yet another, yeah, like, to, to do another standalone complex to prove it. Like, those two parts of the episode work together really well, and I got that a lot more when I did the second watch to take notes. But a lot of it was that it was kind of sandwiched between them going, like, and by the way, we've resi- we've restored the status quo, so it's fine now. Everything's good. Woo! Yeah, I feel that maybe they could have pulled that off a bit more in season two and just had the major and Aramaki like talk to Aoi yeah. the entire second half of the episode. Yes. Yeah. I, like I said, if they had met, like if they had all like escaped rather than being captured, and they met up three months later, being like, okay, we're gonna rebuild. Section nine. Who needs the know? fucking government anyway? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> like then maybe even it, some it just makes the whole Bato sequence yeah. feel right? wild. Oh. Like that's the thing is the Bato se- sequence was like so good. Yes, and then it just. It makes it feel totally irrelevant. Yeah, because yeah, yep. like the chief's whole plan was like, oh yeah, Bato will probably do a Bato sequence. It'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> it'll, it'll be the fine. Having <laughs> <laughs> someone else blow themselves up for you. Yep. Yes. Well, it is like he's doing. You know, in in the moment, the scene is great because he's doing a stupid thing, but for like a compelling reason. Like the the whole reason he did that was to get back the major's watch because he was like pissed that she was just going to overwrite all of her memories and stuff and it's this great character moment and it it does feel like the episode like the second half of the episode kind of steals something from it Hmm. and it's like overall I did really like the the whole season I liked the overarching plot I feel like it's I I can't think of too many examples of a show where it's like I didn't really like the last episode but I also did like how the overall plot like concluded yeah, like they they hit all the stuff that they really wanted to hit, but at the same time, the last episode I was kind of left leaving like, mm, did did I like that? I, it was like yeah. a lot of the philosophical and narrative stuff landed, but then like the actual like sequence of events felt very yeah, that's probably dissatisfying. Yeah, I, I you- think that but the ending just made a lot of whole. I I really liked episodes like the last few, like twenty two, twenty five. I think were like yeah really well like it, it just really put, built up the stakes and the tension and explained everything and you got all the bit all the puzzle pieces came together and then it just wet farts at the end yeah like i i, 
I think the idea about the puzzle pieces coming together because it's like the third or fourth time I've seen the series. And like you mm -hmm. can see in episodes, like, you know, the first couple episodes where everything's going, me having known what, you know, yeah. the end result yeah. of all is like, it makes sense that someone actually put some thought into putting the plot together. Yep. But yeah, the resolution isn't the greatest. Uh, my question, I guess, for you, you uh, the three of you are, uh, did you like the more plot-heavy, like, narrative episodes, or did you like more of the standalone, let's explore an idea for an episode ones? Because season two kind of does away with those. I feel like the standalones were kind of hit and miss. Like, some of them were pretty good, and some of them were pretty bad. What if a lady got old? <laughs> yeah, I, that I, one's not good. Yeah. I, think, I think I like this. Yeah, I personally think I like the standalones a little bit more on average mm -hmm. than the like big overarching plot episodes. Like they were interesting, but they had a lot of moments of pacing that was mm -hmm. just there was some. Crush. I kind of was ready to move to the next part of the plot. Yeah, I think like, that's fair. I, I think this the most of the engagement episodes. with the. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, most of the engagement with the Serrano CEO was like. Okay, we could have done this in like two sentences, but we're still go okay. We're still going. With this. Okay, we're still talking to this guy. Uh, like I never gave a shit about that character. I was like, mm. "All right, congratulations. You are a MacGuffin. You testifying is the MacGuffin. Yes. We don't need to talk to the MacGuffin for a whole episode. <laughs> you are the goal." <laughs> yeah, season two goes more heavy into the plot almost immediately. In throughout, I think there's a couple of episodes that they do where it's like, "Oh, we have this idea, and let's explore that." But it's always in the advance of the actual plot, I believe. Right. Um, but yeah, it'll probably come down to whether we find the plot itself compelling really mm. i mean i did like the laughing man stuff overall and i like yeah. the ideas they were bringing up of it like as a mimetic thing before you know memes were what we knew know them as in the internet today yeah the laughing mm. man i think conceptually like high concept is better than the season two plot mm -hmm. uh, the season two plot i think is a bit easier to follow as it it's more just like political thriller right but Shit exploding is, with helicopters. Is, does it have fewer uh, young nerd hackers spouting quotes at us? Uh, yes. <laughs> How I, much pressure in the rye are we going to get? You know get? what? I got a little bit on my nerves <laughs> by the end of it. There is a distinct yeah. lack of catcher in the rye in the second season. So <laughs> I think that might be better. <laughs> no, I, I definitely yeah. thought that Ari got... He, he was really well characterized as exactly the kind of fucking nerd you find on the internet. Who would do this? Who would do yes. that? Who thinks Who they're that? smart and awesome by <laughs> quoting people smarter and more awesomer. Than <laughs> I mean, that entire last conversation with the major was him just looking up Wikipedia quotes that he agreed yeah. with his conversation topic at the time. And the major was the one person who could actually call him on that, basically. Mm. And I thought that was, you know, everyone knows that kind of dickhead. I mean, mm -hmm. we're on the internet. They're everywhere. It's a trope. But, like, uh, you know, he gets a bit training after a few episodes. There's only so much of that character that you can take. And in some ways, I am kind of happy that they didn't have it, like, Owie was the one who solved everything. Like, you know, he gives this that, whole speech. Yeah, that would have been terrible. He, he gives the, uh, the ma awful. major is literally like, you know, you told me I shouldn't interfere and then you didn't do anything. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that is an incredibly internet thing. Yeah, debatably Togusa is the one who solved everything because he's yeah. the only one with any yeah. detective chops on that force. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I think my biggest problem with the Laughing Man story was just like the philosophical implications and like that kind of stuff was like way more interesting than the actual like 
it, what is happening plot, like the whole vaccine switcheroo and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was like a really neat idea conceptually, and unfortunately, like the anchor bringing it into police story mm-hmm. was bland. Yeah. I, we don't get like, enough of it. I, I almost feel yeah. like. I wanted. I want more of what was going on in the institution with the kids all hooked up to stuff and like, was any of that real? Was Mm -hmm. that all bullshit? What did Togus see? Like the interesting things they did with the laughing man, I feel like did not get resolved. Mm. (laughs) Is the problem. Like the things that made me interested in the plot just left hanging entirely. Mm. And all the parts that I like didn't really care that much about were just like, yeah, oh, we wrapped those up. I'm like, I didn't fucking care what happened to the Mariah vaccine. Like, I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely feel like they needed a villain. And they were like, okay, Secretary General. And we don't really care about him. He's not really a character so much as an object. Yes. Yeah. He, he's definitely like the villain that, you know, has overcome at the yeah. end. If For anything, the completely nameless commander is sort of like the most villainous yes. stand-in yeah. Yeah, like, of yeah, the I mean, whole the thing. kind of changes. Like, first it was Nanawe that they were going after, and yeah. then it was, you know, um, I mean, once they figured out that it was Yakushima, that was him, but for what it's worth, season two does have a distinct antagonist. And mm-hmm. he shows up early, and he's the antagonist the entire season. So I'm I, curious I like what that'll that. be like. I, I do like a good villain. Mm. Um, I, I definitely was, like... And the mystery of the laughing man, but yeah, it just turns out it's like, oh well, there's the the secretary general is bad and covered up medical malpractice, and we're well, I mean, there was a lot of bad like, people. Oh, okay. Serrano himself was bad. Yes. That one yes. doctor that rubber stamped the rejection was bad. Everybody that was trying to like do laughing man allegories were bad. So yeah, the the corrupt politician angle I I did like, but then it just kind of all wraps up in a oh yeah, three months later, and this we arrested that guy. Yeah. Yeah, if they had foreshadowed like Yakushima's involvement a bit better, he may have been yeah, more I compelling. Think so. But yeah, they, know, he shows up far late in like the last third before yes. he's named. Yeah, and I sort of feel like the there's something you could do with the idea of a he is just kind of the system, this nameless thing. There's always someone else because the Japanese government is a gigantic machine that will continue to run and has terrifying power at its at mm-hmm. its disposal. But I almost feel like it doesn't lean enough into that angle because by the same token of like he wasn't built up enough, there is also this as soon as he gets named, he's like, okay, that's the target. And as soon as we get him, we've kind of got it. So like they also could have gone into the direction of like it is more the system and that, you know, even if you take this guy down, yes. there will be more of you this. You have all the corrupt medical council and yeah, all like even the prime minister who's like, well, I can't turf him out. Got an election win. Yeah, I think there was like a a thing that the justice guy said in the second to last episode when he was in the car with the chief. Something about like even if you take down Yakushima, there's still going to be more people. It's just a big system, and you can't fight against that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I'm curious to see if that gets expanded on in the uh, thing, or if it's more of like an outside force from Japan that ends up being the antagonist in here. That's interesting. Mm. Um, on a different topic, uh, character-wise, of Section 9, like, who did you like, did you not like? Who do you think could use more development? <clears throat> it's Paz and Boma. <laughs> it's also that, but also the babies. The babies. The babies are the best members yeah. of Section 9, and I hopefully come back in Season 2. In some form. I she like took to- the chip. Togusa and the babies. I-, I like Togusa because I think Togusa's, like, 
an incredible stand-in for just like someone on the outside. Like he really plays that role he's well. He's the everyman. Um, yeah, he, he's very much the everyman, and he's played very straightforward. And like they don't try and deviate it from from it too much. And like he is heroic. He does brave things, but at the same time, like he's still just a guy. Yes. <laughs> is, yeah. Togus is a basic bitch, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Togus's wife. More basic than him Favorite character. In, in baby. A, baby. In a, in a whole unit of Wow Cool Robot, there is Togusa going, oh, this is all kind of scary, actually. <laughs> a little bit. But, but yeah, it's there's definitely like, you know, Paz, Boma, and even to an extent Saito are kind of yes. just there mm-hmm. for most of the series. Um, of the secondary characters, Ishikawa probably gets the most characterization and a lot of that is because he's kind of the wikipedia dump for the other characters doing he was cool things also in the original series he's not an anime original which helps mm, mm-hmm. um, for that what it does worth, make sense uh, the three that you just mentioned do have their own individual episodes that like show more of their personality and plot line next yeah. season so i think they realized it, that that was a complaint that people like those characters but like there was no development whatsoever on them yeah they're they're sort of just asides in the whole you know in the big plot of things and even mm. In the standalones, which are like, Bato and the Major, find a weird dude. <laughs> I feel Most like I episodes. want to like Bato more than I do. Same. Yeah, Same, there's yeah. just some stuff about him, like, he's often a little bit sexist. Yeah. He's also, like, really bullheaded, and mm. it feels like he tries to put on airs a lot. Like, he tries to play Big Tough Man, and it's like... Come on, man. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, it just sounds... I was like, the Major's, like, being really straightforward with him, and he tries to do the tough guy act, and it's like, how many years have you two been working together? You're like, fucking knock it off. His uh, portrayal of this... His portrayal in this series is interesting compared to the manga in the movie, because in the manga, he was a lot more goofy, and in the movie, he was a lot more serious. Ah, so, kind of tries to thread the needle. Yeah, it tries to thread the needle, and so it may mm-hmm. not feel that he is, I don't know, consistent, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I would say that I really liked the moment in the Major's room where he hacked the guy's eyes to survive because it was, like, really, you know, out of character for him, but also in a, like, you know, this is such a desperate situation and it does make sense that he would use this kind of tool available to him, you know? Yeah, he was It's sort of the first sign that the gears actually are turning in here and that, you know, maybe he can grow as a person, that kind of thing. And, like... Some level of like, damn, got blown up by this. Yeah. I should probably learn yeah. how to do that. It's kind of unreasonable. Yeah, it's exactly. really hard to beat. Yeah, someone's got. You know, like I, th- I thought that was a really interesting character moment. Like I'm pretty sure I even mentioned it to you yes. when the yes. episode happened. When we were watching it blind. Like, oh wow, that was actually really interesting. Yep. Someone's got to put a, a firmware update for this eye, those eye drivers, because they got like yeah, really. zero days just <laughs> sitting around in them. Yeah, Bato can hack them. You know, if the Major hacked them, that would you, you would just be like, yeah, yeah that's the Major. Oh, well, of course she'd do that. But Bato hacking them is actually, like, a really interesting moment. It, it's funny, like, the... Bato hacking them feels like someone breaking into a car with, like, uh, like a coat hanger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, that should not be doable, right? No. <laughs> it, it's funny, uh, going to, like, the Major's characterization, she always has felt like a huge, like, Mary Sue character to me because she's just good and perfect at everything she does. Like, comparatively, like, whenever I talk to people about, like, the Ghost Engine, especially the standalone complex series, like, mm-hmm. they always talk about how the fairy characters are like Togusa or Bato or, I guess, sometimes the Chief, maybe. But, mm-hmm. like, no one ever says it's the Major because, like, she's just perfect at everything. And it's kind of, 
this series, like, especially compared to the manga and the, and the movie, like, makes her a bit more human in, like, she mm-hmm. has these issues of like, self-identity with her watch and everything. Yeah. But um, I guess that will be addressed more in season two. She's kind of boring. Yeah, <laughs> she, she's a little bit flat is the big thing. Yeah. Like, just yeah. kind of... They address that in season two, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, very, very, very one note kind of has a very calm, measured response to everything at all times, even in situations where it's like, please... A single drop of emotion, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I beg of you, emote for once. She is a little bit alienating, uh, very again deliberately purpose, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I did like she her shooting the guy in the suit in that uh, in that rage and the attachment she does have to the the watch and her talking about you know taking the the Tachikoma chip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are all interesting character moments. For if her. anything, a lot of it feels like it's kind of in relation to other characters. Because yes. it's like with the with the Tachi Coma, the whole series has been playing this whole thing of like, you know, the major is clearly human, the Tachi Coma are clearly machines, but no, maybe that's not actually the case. The babies like are the, far more human and likable than the major. The, the, yeah. the Hachikoma are purposely full of, portrayed as much more human than the major ever appears, despite the fact that they are literal walking tanks. To the point that when they wanted to please the major and <laughs> not be taken to the lab, yeah. they pretended to act like beep boop robots yeah. to oh. like to appeal to the major's... Yeah you know humanity in quotes (laughs) and i feel like the thing that made that was most interesting about her in the entire series is that i think she was starting to clue in on that herself like that there is very much this idea of the babies are more human than she is but she is more you know she is obviously human and all that kind of thing and that that begs a lot of questions and the way that she looks at the chip and kind of talks about the Tachikomas in the final episodes, it feels like, you know, she doesn't actually see the line between her and them as that big. Like, that's why she wanted to see, to if, they see if they had a ghost at yeah. this point, because then it would be like, maybe they are actually just like me. It's interesting that you bring up the uh, the subject that a lot of her personality is in interaction with other people. Yeah, um, like I'm thinking of like some of the even the minor characters she interfere or interacts with, like uh, her girlfriend or like the bartender. Mm-hmm. Like it comes like a lot of her personality comes out in that more so than in her day to day, where she's just acting strict in military. Yes, and again, that gets brought up a bit more in season two, which is nice. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to see where they go with her character, and I feel like there's a lot of interesting things you can do with it, even if she stays super action cop bot. With a rocking ass. <laughs> <laughs> she does have a rocking ass. I need to say that because the show really wants you to the know that. The show lets you know. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did. Yeah. Oh, God. She is like wearing the skimpiest underwear in that scene with her and Bato in the, in the skyscraper. It's not sexy underwear, though. This is like, no, I just had no. this laying around it's, underwear. It's, this is gym underwear, but it's still the smallest the gym underwear yeah. you could possibly oh, buy. Oh, yeah, it's like three sizes. It's just her ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yep, I get it. I get it, show. Yep. <laughs> That's a butt right there. <laughs> gotcha. And it's, it's consistent throughout the entire show. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get a cyborg body, you would get one with a rock and ass, right? Yes. If rock and ass yes. was just one of the checkboxes, you know I would hit it. That thing just comes standard at yeah. that point. Yeah. <laughs> it's who like would, cup holders. Yeah, who would sign up for a flat ass? No one. 
Thank you, lads. It's a drop-down menu. <laughs> it's a cheap option, yeah. Well, uh, I guess we'll just start up uh, season two next week, uh, unless you wanted to take a break. I don't think we were taking a break, were we? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, not for uh, are any we, uh, Adam Sandler movies. Are we doing an OVA or anything, or are we just going straight into episodes? You know, we could watch the original movie, the 96-97 uh, movie. Just if you want to good. You know, you know, contrast the scene what that's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about we do that? That'd Hell be yeah. kind of cool. That movie You'd is You'd have a to classic. figure out who takes notes on it, though. You haven't seen it, have you, Ty? No. Oh, well, you're in for either. a treat, then. Nope. You're all in for a treat. <laughs> that movie's Woo. up there with, like, Akira and shit. Like, it's just one of the ones Ooh. you should watch. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, next time, apparently a really good movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. We should See probably warn our wow, viewers beforehand for, for a week before. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Space anime. Yeah, what do you think is going to be better than Grown Ups 2? Come on. <laughs> I, I certainly hope Modern so. Modern classic. God to him. <laughs> You have to learn everything about Project 2501. <laughs> oh, boy.